Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're talking about tips for higher yields in corn. It's fun at the end of the season to look back and see what worked, what didn't work, what could you change, and what should you change going into next year's production to try to make more money and raise more bushels on your farm. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. If you've got a question or if you want to share some of your high-yield corn tips, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, a lot of things here. We've been been running this operation for a long time, raised a lot of corn crops over the years, and learned a few things along the way. And I sometimes it's hard looking back to think, well, we've done something now for five years or for 10 years. And man, that's that's really helped us. We figured it out a long time ago. We've been doing it for quite a while now. So I can think of some of the things we've changed in recent years, but maybe some of those big pieces that that we put in place to, to set us up for success in corn. I might not be, they might not be top of mind for me anymore. Well, they're definitely top of mind for me. So let me start with this. Most people are going to say variety makes all the difference. I'm going to argue all the time. Variety does not make all the difference. It's drainage or irrigation, depending on what you need. And then fertility. So fertility is just so huge. And one of the key things is, did you know that it takes more potassium than it does nitrogen to raise a corn crop? Every bushel of corn you produce, it's going to take more potassium than nitrogen. It's huge. And we see lack of potassium just time and again on all these soil tests that keep coming across our desk. That was one of the biggest things for us, whether it was corn yield or bean yield. We raised our potassium, and our yields went way up. It was dramatic. Now, I'm not going to say things happen overnight because we didn't build everything up overnight either, but I am saying it's just tremendously important what you do with your fertility program. And then even things like your phosphorus to zinc ratio, phosphorus to copper, calcium to boron. What are you doing with sulfur? I mean, there are a lot of things fertility-wise, and that's probably the number one thing that I would say for just, quite frankly, anybody out there. If you want higher yields, fine-tune your fertility program, and you'll do a lot better. Well, no doubt the fertility is a big thing, and we get a lot of calls about fertility questions and also guys saying, man, you know what? I tried more sulfur, especially there's been one lately. tried more sulfur, and it really helped me. Zinc and boron would be other ones. Sulfur, zinc, and boron, I'd say, are ones that guys maybe have upped their game in over the last few years. NP and K, a lot of guys are doing pretty good. Some are still... Still going short, still listening to, uh, well, here's what crop removal is, and then cutting it. And it just, oh, it's so frustrating when you know that your crop removes this much fertilizer and you don't even put that out there on the field. It's it's tough to shoot for okay. higher yields if you aren't even fertilizing to the level that you're at. Yeah, but all right. So a lot of guys don't say what's crop removal, and I put that out. They say, Mr. or Miss or Mrs. Fertilizer Dealer, you help me out and do this because I don't know what I'm dealing with here. So that's the first thing is we'd really encourage you to learn how to read a soil test. But then the next thing is I want you to think about your top 10% of your acres, not the average. That's the problem, in my opinion, is too many things get fertilized for the average. If I've got a field that's averaging 250, well, I know darn well that I have to have some areas in there that are yielding close to 300, if not 300 plus. 
are you fertilizing for 300 in those areas? Very few people are. So I would encourage you, variable rate, put on more fertility in those high-yield areas, keep the fertility level up, and then you got a much better chance to maintain that. And then look at where you're doing well. So even like just the other day when we had, I don't know if you remember this, Darren, but I think it was last week when uh, I believe it was Keith from Illinois. But anyway, he had strip till and he had an area where the strip till machine went off, no fertilizer. And he, he sent us the pictures. It was dramatic. I, I mean, when you're losing 30 plus bushels from not fertilizing this year, just imagine how much it would be long term, too, when you start doing that year after year, if you short your crop a little bit. So I, I, I just say we got to start looking more at how what's our maximum? What are the highest yielding areas? And at least in those areas, put back what you're removing and maybe start on a little bit more of a build program. Because if you hit 300 this year, what's to say you can't hit 310 or 320 next year? All right. Here's a couple other things, Brian. I, I would say this when I say, hey, you need to get higher yields on your farm next year. You need to go from 200 bushel to 210 bushel on your farm next year. A lot of responses I yep. get from farmers are, well, I'm going to have to up my planting population and I might have to look at narrow rows and I'm probably going to have to increase my nitrogen rate and maybe I could even plant a week earlier. What do you think on those things? Well, planting earlier, great. Increasing the nitrogen a little bit, it's possible, but you just have to make sure you're testing. If you're not testing the soil, then I don't know if you need it or you don't. But then as far as planting population, it's interesting you bring that up. I was just talking to an agronomist this morning about this who asked me the question, what do you think on this planting population thing? Because what I'm hearing is 10 times your yield. And I go, well, I look at a range of 7 to 10. So just for example, let's say that I'm planting 30,000 plants per acre. That means 30 times 7 is 210 bushels. 30 times 10 is 300 bushels. So I should be in the range of 210 to 300 with my 30,000 planting population. If I'm not, let's say I'm at 180. That's telling me two things. Number one, I'm probably overplanting. Number two, population is absolutely not my yield limiting factor, and I need to look at what else is my yield limiting factor. There's something. We just have to figure it out. And also, let me just say, we can always blame Mother Nature and say we didn't get enough rain. I do the same thing, okay? We, we could always have more yield if we had more rain. But a lot of these things that you do, they're gonna help you no matter what, whether you get rain or you don't, and then you're just setting yourself up well for the year where you do get good rain. Hopefully you'll then have record yield. Yeah, I just talked to a farmer this morning who had a stand issue, that's bad weather and whatnot. Ended up with 17,000 final stand, 200 bushel corn. And he said, you know what? You don't need 34,000 to get 200 bushel corn. 17 this year turned out to be enough. Lots of things go into high yield corn. We'll talk about them on today's show. Stay tuned. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. 
See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about tips for higher yielding corn. And we're taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. you got our friend Tony Wendler on right now uh, with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how you doing? I am excellent today, Darren. Beautiful November day. I love this weather. Oh, it's awesome. Well, I can't wait for beautiful April weather when we start planting again. But we don't always get that, Tony. And sometimes... With the planter, we give up yield right from the beginning. What what are some of the things you saw this year that at planting time we could have done just a little bit different and we could have had more corn yield? One of the, you know, hey, at the end of the day, the last thing uh, the planter is doing is closing the furrow and creating that ideal zone for the seed. Uh, had lots of conversations with people through the spring that uh, – didn't get the seed to soil contact situations where they might have been in some wetter conditions they dried out and opened up to uh, the uh, in drier conditions where the seed was uh, above the moist ground they didn't plant to moisture and they didn't compress the soil enough to wick it and one of the things that uh, we've had conversations and i'll i'll parrot one of the uh, people who uh, talked about it in a second is with a germinator, we create that firm zone. And uh, one farmer that's uh, about 50, 70 miles south of me said he struggled all spring. He had eight rows of germinators, eight rows of a competing spiked closing wheel. And he said he spent the whole spring trying to make that other wheel do as good a job as a germinator. And he called me on his last day of planting. He said, this is the last day I'll plant with that product. Next year, I'm buying another eight rows of germinators because he said I, I couldn't get them to do the same, and he said it affected his outcome. So it's uh, components like that have a big uh, impact. And, and one of the things uh, also this spring, a research company out in Indiana had our product, uh, Yetter Twisters and Furl Cruisers, in dry conditions. They were quite dry out there in the early part of the year. 
and uh, they sent me back some results. Uh, first day emergence, uh, we were at 75, Twister 73, and Cruisers at 56. Second day, we were at 90%, uh, Twisters at 84, and uh, Furrow Cruisers at 75. So, you know, I look at the, if you're not out of the ground the first two days, the third and fourth day, you're, you're growing weeds. You know, you need to get as much as you can the first day. And then dry conditions, I, I talk with them after. I believe our wheels would have done better if they would have uh, set the downforce one notch more. Uh, they had this thing that they didn't want to test downforce. They ran everybody in the first notch. And I know that to get the best job, we should be in the second notch. So uh, that had some impact. Uh, got another uh, comparison taking place this fall in Wisconsin. Uh, a large farming operation is going to be redoing their planter this winter. And they were trying to decide what direction they were going to go, and they put it half furrow force and half germinators. And uh, spring emergence, they said uh, it was uh, tit for tat. In one soil condition, they thought furrow force was slightly better. In others, germinator. As they're coming into the harvest, uh, the... Uh, as they described it, they said it's like a really close basketball game. This field, uh, Germinator's up by two bushel. The next field, uh, the other product is up by two bushel. Although there's one uh, field that was up by nine and they ankled without telling me totally. They ankled that it's uh, was ours, that we were nine bushel ahead in one field. The uh, And they just said it's going back and forth. Now, my outlook is in with Furrow Force, all we've got to do is equal them because their cost is eight times as much per row. So, and those become, if we can get that furrow closed, do the best job for that farmer, they've got their crop started the best they can. And after that, it's uh, whatever follow-up they do and, and Mother Nature to uh, keep it onto the uh, best stand. So I, again, always look at, we spend a lot of money on our planters, a lot of money on uh, doing variable seeding, variable fertilizing, and things like that. Too many farmers are not looking at the last impact they'll have on that seed and its germination, and that is to close that furrow properly and get back and dig. Yeah, the, uh, yeah getting back and digging. I, I like that answer a lot, Tony, because I know when you dig across the row and you just look at how that furrow was set up, that's where you see the difference. It's not, well, let's wait in a few weeks. We'll see how emergence looks. Let's just see right there when we're planting. If we need to make some adjustments, do it right then rather than putting all your income at risk by, by not getting out and checking a little more often. You are so much on top of that. That digging is uh, a, there's a shovel um, bungee strapped in the back of my planter. The uh, I've just learned that dig a big hole like you say cut right across that furrow dig a big hole and then i dig down the row and take out the sides and everything so i will know that total furrow architecture and uh look at more than one row and uh one of the things that uh i heard that in your operation that you do you took your best planter guy and he no longer drives the tractor He's he not happy about that, Tony. Planters. He's not happy about that, but but our improvement's gone up. Our yields have gone well. I shouldn't say our yields have gone up. I believe our yields will go up when it rains, uh, but our yields have been really good, and we've just taken out a lot of errors that we've had on our farm 
just because we've got somebody regularly digging. And you're right. Yeah, have the most knowledgeable person do that. I think it's really fun. I also think it's a great way to bring young people back into, into the operation. Hey, come with me. Let's get out in the field. Let's do some digging. And maybe you have them riding in the buddy seat and you do a little bit of digging on the first couple of rows and say, okay, now you dig the other 22 and tell me what you've got. I'm going to check things out on the tractor. I'm going to check some mechanical things out here and I'm going to make sure everything else is okay. And then show me what you got. And I think that would be a great strategy just to, to get people, number one, to know how important it is. And then number two, to look for differences out there. Then when you make adjustments with the planner, okay, after a few rounds, do some more digging. And let's see, did our adjustments make a big difference? What are you noticing? I, I think those things are really cool. One of the things that I uh, you emphasized uh, cutting across the whole row, I was taught to dig down on top of the row. And I always found it unfruitful and frustrating. And it wasn't until I got out there and I got a shovel and I cut across the row, like you said, and I know my style's slightly different, but I cut across so I can see that furrow architecture and I'll make a hole 10 inches deep so I can get rid of all the dirt. I'm just scrape it right into there. And then you can do go down that row so easily. And it, it's not a chore. Uh, there's too many people who dig from right over the row down and it's frustrating and doesn't feel like a fruitful task. So uh, hey, get a shovel out there, dig a hole, and then look at the architecture when you cut the row and then tunnel down it. I like to call it, I call it tunneling, but it's really just digging a ditch uh, and taking out the whole width of the row as I'm going down with all that. So I'm seeing that architecture for a foot or more as well as I'm seeing multiple seed. And I plant with a twin row, so I will typically dig for two or three seeds, and they're like nine inches apart in a row. So I'll dig for a distance down a row, and uh, I need that big hole to get rid of the dirt. So, <laughs> Well, you only find that out by doing it over and over again. But, yeah, everybody's got their own little different style, and, you know, maybe your planter's set up a little bit different, and you're wondering what's happening with your two-by-two, two and you want to look at some different things out there. That's fine. I, I don't care how you do it. The point is, and I love what Tony's getting at here, just get out and do some digging. You'll learn a lot. And if you can fix things with the planter or do an even better job to get great seed-to-soil contact, you're going to love what you see in terms of the consistency of your emergence and, and just how that stand's going to look all year long. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate one, having you on. Can I add one last thing real quick? we got 15 uh, seconds. Anybody... Anybody in warmer conditions, uh, you might consider getting a wheel and trying a different product this fall to make a decision. I just shipped some out to a farmer, one row. He was going to get his planter out, drag it in the dirt while the weather's still good. Yeah, why not so. try stuff? This is one of the great things about having a, a nice, warm, long fall like this. you get plenty of time to work on things on your operation. Hey, Tony, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. We'll be back after this. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about tips for higher yields in corn. We were just talking with Tony Wendler. He was talking about getting out behind the planter and digging, looking for problems. If you can solve them before you have the whole farm planted and realize something's wrong, what a difference that makes. Uh, Jeff from Iowa called in and he said, hey, when you guys are talking about digging for seeds, he uses a 16-inch concrete trowel. It works great. Hey, thanks for the tip, Jeff. We really appreciate that. Yeah, everybody's got their favorite tool that they use, and that's something you can keep in the cab. Tony was saying he likes to strap a shovel down with a bungee strap uh, right on the back, and I've seen a lot of guys that do that too. I like having a shovel around, but I like having a, a knife or something to, to do some digging with as well. So great tips. Really appreciate that, Jeff. Uh, got Chad Henderson with us right now. Works with the Extreme Ag Group and farms with this family down in Alabama. Chad, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. All right. We're getting lots of questions in. I'm going to just fire a few of these at you, and then you can share what you want to on, on high-yield corn tips, too, along the way. Uh, one thing that, that we get a lot of questions about is planting population. How do you determine your planting population? How important do you think varying the rate is as you go across the field? 
Oh man, that's gonna be huge, and that's a great one. Can I get a can I phone a friend or can I get another? Question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about that just one second. So you know, down here in the south, we're um we're always laying back on the population. You know, you talk to Kevin Matthews or or you hear him talk about it or I'll talk about it, and we're always laying up because we get that full season. When we get that full season. We can make more with less. You know, we've done great down here being on that 10 to 1 deal, you know. Um, and, and so we can say, we can plant, you know, 25, 26,000 plants and make up to 250 or 60 bushel corn in the right conditions. But now as you go further north and y'all run out of season, that don't carry the same weight as it does here in the south. Well, that's a great so, point. That's a great point. You know, we, we've got some nice sunlight. We've got a lot of sunlight hours as you come north here. Uh, but but the trade-off is, yeah, it's going to get cold a little sooner than it is in the south. Yep. We can, we absolutely can get 10 bushels per thousand seeds. There's no question about that. We, we have seen a lot of guys that do that all the time. I think that's one yep. thing that I would encourage guys to look at. If you've got your yield maps and you know what your population was, just calculate how many bushels yep. per thousand seeds Correct. did you get across the farm and you're going to see a variance right. you're probably going to see right, make, five bushels in some spot maybe 12 in another that's correct and and know that hybrid plays into that look at the hybrid whether it's a flex hybrid or you know or or a hybrid that's um, a stationary hybrid you know one that's just the same so no just don't jump out there with every hybrid and think that i'm gonna just cut it down to twenty thousand, make 200 bushels all right, another question for you, Chad. How about planting date? Uh, a lot of growers would say the earlier I plant, normally I do good, you know, unless there's some crazy weather event or something like that. But normally I do a little bit better if I can get it planted by the ideal planting date. Do you really give up all the yield that they tell you if you plant late? Well, mine in the south is beating the heat. You know, we trying to beat the pollination window and it not be 100 degrees down here when we pollinate. You know, that's the sure deal. If I get the right weather condition, man, it's just like a rain because we can get our pollinated corn, you know, when it's not really, really excessively hot. So my dad says that's the only reason I can't make more corn than I, is, make more corn than I do on contest stuff. He said, you don't plant early enough because <laughs> a lot of times we get caught up with wanting that perfect stand that would keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until the ground conditions are completely perfect. And then we're kind of losing on our date, you know. So it's something to be said about planting early. I can promise you that, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's no no doubt about it. I know in soybeans, a lot of growers have been saying the last few years, too, the earlier planted stuff did so much better for them. Um, you know, when you look at that crop rotation, uh, here's another one where we hear farmers saying, well, my yields were off because it was corn on corn. Do you find that has to be a yield loss on our farm? We'd say, man, if we can up our nitrogen, we can, can really watch what we do with fertility and how we manage the residue. We feel like we can do pretty good on corn on corn. I feel like manage, managing the residue is number one, you know, on the corn on corn deal. You've got to get that thing swept back whether you use something, you know, a strip till or whether you use something else to manage that residue, that's number one in that yield loss deal. And then, you know, number two is, is I would say would be hybrid. And then we cut when, then we fall back to the nitrogen of fertility from there. All right. How about you know, plant hybrid selection at second year? How about planting depth, Chad, in your area here? A lot of guys will say inch and a half to two and a half, but we've kind of found that two inches to two and a quarter is kind of a sweet spot for us. What What do you like? We're 100% the same way. 
we're in, we're going to be in that two inch, right on that two inch, you know, depth. And and so then we need to talk about how we're going to measure that depth. You know, are you <laughs> Good from, call. From, oh, there you go. How are you going to measure it? Where are you going to measure it from? You know, are we going to, you know, me myself, I want it two inches, but I want to I want to take my hand and brush that thing down flat, and that's where I want my two inches at. Yep. Yep, I, I know. Well, you want to talk? You want to tell me how you want to measure? <laughs> well, I'd like to have two inches above the seed, so I don't. I'm that's not right. necessarily concerned about the bottom of the seed. I'm concerned about the top because that's where our shoot's going to come out, and I need to have at least an inch and a half to keep my nodal roots under the ground. And yeah, I don't know. I don't want to give up the the length of that seed, so I want to be just a hair deeper than two. Yep. Yep, I I can I w- I would agree with that, and I would be I would rather be a fudge on the deep side than I would on the shallow side at any point. If you're worried, yeah, yeah. give another half a click, which is a quarter inch. Okay, how about nitrogen rate now per bushel? And this is one where we read all kinds of things in the farm papers. And I'll I'll start off with what we do. We really are looking at how much organic matter we've got. If we've got a lot of organic matter out there, we know we're going to get some free nitrogen during the year. So we're absolutely going to figure 20 pounds per 1% of organic matter that we've got. And if we don't do that, we've found that we're over applying nitrogen and it's just way too expensive even at today's prices it's not as bad as it's been but it's still too expensive to waste uh, how do you feel about it chad are you trying to fertilize to a yield goal are you looking at different soils and fertilizing differently how do you do it so you know we're down here we're um organic matter of of two and a half to three percent and we're cc of seven to nine okay um and and as you know, through the extreme ag group the last three or four or five years and really getting to talk to other people across the country, I've really learned a lot on that. You know, if you talk, you know, you ask me this question and the way I'm going to answer it, and then you ask Kelly Garrett this question the way he's going to answer it, it's going to be com- two completely different deals on the way he answered from, you know, Alabama to Iowa. But what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm going to um, trickle it in. And when I say trickle it in, we know we don't we don't want it to have to hold more than that seven to nine at one application. So on our dryland corn, I'm just gonna cut it off at somewhere around 160 or 70, 80 bushel because of my yield go and the chance my ground can't hold on that long. Now on my irrigated side, I'm gonna keep trickling it in the whole time. You know, and that's through irrigation because I have that I had that uh, flexibility, you know, with two wide drops, some with a planter, two wide drops, and then some couple passes with a pivot. You know, I can just keep trickling it until I have a disaster or, you know, a windstorm or something that I, I feel like that's I'm at my limiting factor. Yeah, the fun thing with the Extreme Ag Group, if you're a member, you get to ask these guys some super detailed questions. So, yeah, I'm getting Chad on some of the basics here. Yeah. If you want to get more in-depth with that, uh, check out what the guys are doing at Extreme Ag. One of the things I'm curious about, though, Chad, since you mentioned irrigation, is when do you shut it off? Everybody's different on this. Some guys, honestly, are looking at a budget of, well, this is how much I'm willing yep. to spend. Others are looking at, well, here's my water allocation. And, of course, if you got a water allocation, I get it. You just don't have any more water. But uh, do you shut it off way ahead of harvest, or do you try to go as long as you can? It's always about black layer. Longer you can slow, you know, down here, our problem, you know, and it's exactly opposite of y'all's problem there. And from what I've seen from being able to visit with y'all, you know, y'all are trying to get that plant to finish. I'm trying to slow it down. I can't keep it slowed down. There's had to tell in it's so hot out in the field, you know, in July, end of July, 1st of August, that we're trying to slow that plant down as much as we can to get that grain field. 
but it just rushes right along. So, you know, we're going to carry that thing. We're going to have moisture at black layer. And that's what, and that's what we're shooting for oh, is to fun. keep that plant healthy, it's, it's you know, so keep fun it moisture. To... And, 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 and the irrigation deal ain't about being wet, you know, it's about soil profile. You know, we're building soil profile. We want it wet a foot deep and just moisture, you know, we don't want it sopping. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, Chad, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Banning nitrogen from your planter saves you money. Don't waste those savings by buying an expensive application system. Clever design and engineering means 360 bandits, colders, and hose guides work to get the nitrogen in the perfect place for rapid root uptake. 360 bandit puts a band of nitrogen on both sides of the seed trench, three quarters of an inch deep. And 360 bandit costs a fraction of what more complex systems cost. Don't overspend. Choose 360 bandit from 360 Yield Center. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're talking about tips for higher yields in corn. We've got all the yield data in from this year. Most farmers now are done or close to it, 
and at least in our geography. And so we're seeing what all the results are of some of the trials, some of the different practices that, that we were, were being compared out in the field. And it's just fun to compare notes on this and talk to others around the country. If you'd like to share some of the things that made a difference in corn yield on your farm this year, give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Blake Miller with us right now with Syngenta. How's it going, Blake? Not too bad, Darren. How are you? It's uh, we're we're enjoying the last uh, few days of good weather here. I think absolutely, so. yeah. I I love when we get falls like this because we can do quite a few things out in the field. One of the things that that we were doing this fall on our farm is is kind of setting ourselves up for next year. We we do some fall herbicide on some of our upland acres every year just to spread the workload out. We don't always get a great weather year like this to get all those jobs done, but I know when Brian was talking to our guys in the farm, hey, we're going to put some fall herbicide out there like really? You think we're going to have time for that? And here we go. We're we're mid-November. It's still nice. That's exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of anhydrous ammonia flowing my way as you know and and I think there, it's it's an open fall so far, and we'll see what happens with the weather. So, you know, next week and the week after. But uh, it's in the central Illinois, it tends to get unstable. How's that in November? So, let me ask you a few key agronomic questions here, and I know you've got a few things you'd like to add, and, and of course, along the way, hopefully, we'll hit those. Uh, in this discussion, but one of the big problems growers saw this year was corn rootworm. We we just had a ton of corn rootworms everywhere. Some people said, well, we had early snow cover last year. It kind of insulated the ground. They had better survival through the winter. I've heard that. I, I've heard uh, other reasons, too, why there might have been more corn rootworms. Either way, we know the odds of having a rootworm problem next year are probably higher than normal. Uh, talk to us about that a little bit. How are guys ma- managing that in your area? It seems to be we, we maybe don't have quite the resurgence, but uh, it's the, the whole rootworm thing is coming back into into view. And it looks like you know whether it's a seed choice of maybe looking at a triple stack or a smart stack rather, Darren. But also the last couple of weeks, I've had a few questions about granular insecticides again. So. Yes. You know, whether that's something liquid or our uh, 46.5G, there's been a bit of renewed interest in that. I'd, I'd have to say in the last mm, five years, there hasn't been many uh, corn rootworm questions to your point. So I think it's a balance between, you know, what traits, will the traits work, and then do I need granular or some type of insecticide on top of that's what most seem to be thinking. Yeah, we're doing a lot of corn on corn and growing silage for a neighboring dairy, and it's it's using traits and using insecticide at planting time. It's been our best solution. Then uh, when yeah. it comes to the herbicides, I mentioned we already have some of our pre's out there. We won't do that on 100% of the acres, but uh, we, we just really believe in getting that pre down and then coming back post-emerge. That two-pass program has worked good for us. What have you seen in terms of getting lights out weed control in corn? I think, you know, we're coming off of a year, Darren, where the the drought and the, at this latitude really pressurized our uh, residuals. And, and I think people had to go back. Well, all we talk about, Darren, is activation, activation. And I think we planted this seed that that's all you need is one rainfall, where, as you know, you need frequent rainfalls to deal with the dynamics and the physical properties of the active ingredient. So 
lights out we control is a little tough in central Illinois this year, but what we know works best is, you know, a full rate or excuse me, a half rate or slightly more stronger than that pre and then followed up within a month, within a month, 28 days or so of overlapping that residual seems to be best. Um, we, we do a lot of split shot Acuron this direction and Lexar Acuron GT seems to be really popular. But Darren, you know, for the breadth of the listeners, we live in a world here where multiple resistance rolls off the tongue and, and everyone's in a little different space in their battle of pigweeds or water hemp, however you want to look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And I, I like those combinations where you're putting something that has residual activity and something that has contact activity to give you that that uh, insurance that, hey, if it doesn't rain, the contact products are working. If it does rain, we've got those residuals kicked in. So we know we're going to get some help either way. And then just hope that that crop canopy comes soon. I like early planting as part of that too. And we farm in dry country normally. And so we're always thinking we got to push the the planting as early as we can. So we might not get much rain and we just want to give our crop the best chance to canopy sooner. But even, even that strategy last year wasn't enough when it just didn't rain. Oh, I know. I, the, the photo, you know, the drought strangled the photosynthetic rates in the plants and canopy was, uh, was tough to find your point. And that led to some questions across the board there, you know, there were, there were areas that felt good about their weed control and areas to your point that, uh, they're looking for, looking for something better or an alternative. And I think it's important when you've been through what we've been through this year, is not to overreact you know we we it's a it, it's hard as a, as a grower and you know to for someone like me to say that when you lost bushels however no matter what we do if it doesn't rain the residuals don't work very well and that's what i really like about you know what you followed up with we split shop because it's it's insurance against the environment right maybe one of those shots gets activated we hope both they we hope they both do but you know, 20 years ago, one shot herbicides, full rate, you know, biceps and, and products like that were, were table stakes and, and people found out they never could achieve weed control with them, mostly because the environment went against, went against you more times than not. Yep. Yep, that's for sure. Hey, speak about the environment. So it may not have been the best environment this year for diseases like tar spot to blow up or even some of the the common ones, the gray leaf spots and northern corn leaf blights. A lot of guys got a little bit of a break from that this year, but that's not going to last. The the timing is going to be there for moisture and temperature and whatnot that those diseases are going to blow up again. What have you learned about the, the disease management here? You got some pretty fantastic fantastic fungicides now with uh, new uh, SDHI uh, products in there that, that have shown up quite well. Yeah, Darren, I think, I think we have, we're, we're by no means experts. I think you, you, the North, if you will experience tar spot in a wicked way before we did. And then at 21, we, we, we got our learning event, but what we learned, you know, the frustration at my level is having a model or visibility that's really accurate, right? We've been on all sides of the technology that's out there and it's wonderful, but we're not getting that 
you know, hit rate with it that we want. It's, it's not accurate enough. So, you know, what we learned in 21 is, it, you know, if you're only going to spend the money once, you, you spray it VTR1. But we also learned later apps, you know, at R3 and R4 paid in that year. But our proactive approach in, in this, at this latitude is if the weather conditions are suitable for it, or what you mentioned, you make a VT to V14 app, try to get ahead of it. And then overlap with a strong residual from Mirabus Neal or Triva Pro at, at R1, R2. And we believe that's the best way to stave off an early onset. We've learned that, you know, it takes the adepidin and the, in, in the uh, Mirabus and the Salatinol and the Triva Pro to stay ahead of. You have to defeat it on the, on the front side because the triazoles, no triazoles very effective at it, which you guys, I think, have experienced as well. So that's our planned approach. Uh, what we run into most likely, Darren, just reality is, is you know, guys and gals want to spray once, and we still recommend the VTR1 if that's their persuasion. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. There's there's just different things, and I, I just have found over the years as things change on the farm, you just have to make all the adjustments to even – proven uh, techniques and timings that you've used in the past. Uh, this is Blake Miller with Syngenta. Blake, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. And good luck to you here heading into the next season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. 
Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about tips for higher yields in corn on our show today, and fertility is definitely a big one of those. We've got Jim on the line. Let's talk a little fertility right now. How's it going, Jim? Hey, great, Darren. How are you? Good. You guys wrapped up on harvest? You bet. I've been wrapped up. Well, sunflowers got done out west the other day and, and around the east part. I've been done for a month or so. You so it's pretty good harvest, but I got some irrigated. You know, it, it varied a lot. but um, Sure did. Sure did yeah. this year. How was yours? You know what? Uh, better than what we anticipated. So it, it wasn't what we wanted, of course, because it didn't rain. But uh, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. In fact, some of it was pretty well, I, good. I, I think these hybrids and then the weed control, you can really tell when you're combining where the yield goes down is where there's any weed pressure in a dry year it really yeah. magnified that yeah yeah that's for it's sure hey really talk to, where's talk, the boss at today uh well my wife's at home if that's what you're talking about but if you're talking about brian he's he's <laughs> big, on the road big little brother yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey you, you had a question on potassium and i i think this yeah, is kind of an uh, interesting soy, one so I was gonna go plant ahead soybeans okay in some wheat ground it's out west in sully county and um Soil samples come back like four, the high 400s to the 530s, and uh, agronomic advisor says the soil doesn't release out there some of that. He wants me to put quite a little 50, 60 pounds of pot on, and I, a year ago, I planted beans on some ground. It was kind of last minute. The young didn't put any fertilizer down and ended up with, uh, we had some really good rains out there. had 40 bushel soybeans, and uh, so I just, is there... I know I've used, where I farm east, some of this extract, the nutrient guy I talked into, and I couldn't tell you if it worked. I didn't do a blind study like I probably should have where I didn't put it. But uh, is there something to help release that, I guess? Or is there, have you heard of that? It, it, there's, the levels are pretty high. Yeah, what, what, is that, what is that in terms of a base saturation percentage? Just curious. Oh, I don't have the in front of me, Brian, or Darren, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, I always like to look at the whole test just to just to see what I can learn. Because okay, let's just run with 400 parts per million of K. Say it's 400 to 500 parts per million of K. That's a lot of K. I'm guessing it's fairly heavy yeah. soil too, so you kind of need quite a bit. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Brian was talking about earlier on the show today is you you just have the fertility out there. So if you do get the rain, you can win. And this is on dry land stuff, or is this on irrigated too? Dry land, okay. dry land. Okay, yep, thought I would ask that, because if you can control the rain, that does help in a lot of ways. Uh, but, yep. you know, on the on the dry land ground, we like to see that base saturation K, you know, in central South Dakota, 
probably up towards four to six percentage points. And, and, you know, you might be there with that four, uh, 400, 500 parts per million of K. The other thing that we've noticed, and I was talking to a farmer over in Minnesota about this earlier this week, that with magnesium, we like to look at parts per million of K and parts per million of magnesium. And if you, if you're in the range of a one to one or a two to one where magnesium's no more than twice as high as the potassium. So in this case, if you're somewhere in that 800 parts per million of magnesium or less, then we usually have pretty decent availability of the K. If we get that magnesium where it was 1,200 parts per million or something like that, and it's a three to one, then, yeah, I would say we probably need some more mag or some more K. Sorry. So, yeah, look at that magnesium as well. All right, and I drove your old truck a bunch this fall. Went great, so I'll have thousands and thousands of bushels with it. There you drove go. Semi, so that you so, yeah, runs like a top. Outstanding. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll I'll probably see you this winter. I'll try and get a little smarter than I am at your shows. All I right. Learn a lot. Sounds good, Jim. We'll see you later. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Bye, Jerry. You know, Jim mentioned weed control and how big a factor that is. And I got a couple of pictures uh, that Tyler over in Minnesota sent in from the combine and just showing some really thick green weed patches. And I was like, oh, no, what is that? And then I looked at the second picture and it's hemp dog mane. And, and Tyler said, man, we've got hemp dog mane. We put down triple flex pre-emerge came back post-emerge uh, with a generic Meso product, a generic Callisto, plus a, a lower rate of PowerMax or Roundup and a little bit of atrazine. And all it really seemed to do was bleach it. It didn't really stop it. It's right on the edge of some peat ground, and it's just been, been tough and a huge yield robber. What can we do to get hemp dog mane under control? Man, Tyler, I wish you would have sent this email like a month ago because I would have said, let's go with a really strong rate uh, of your uh, PowerMax 3 again. And if you look on the label of PowerMax 3, they're going to call for two and a half quarts of PowerMax 3. So if you're using old four-pound Roundup, that's that's even more. That's uh, I guess I didn't do the math, but three quarts are a little better. Well, that's a really, really strong rate. Uh, and that's what it takes. The challenge with hemp dog mane, and one of our Ag PhD camera guys was was out and did a little bit of digging around a hemp dog mane patch and just couldn't believe the rhizomes and just how extensive that root system was underneath it. It was huge. And no wonder it takes such a big rate to get through the system. Here's the other challenge in Minnesota is, and why I say I wish you would have talked to me a month sooner, I would have sprayed Roundup and I wouldn't have done any tillage. Now, I don't know if uh, this ground's been tilled or these patches have been tilled up, but if you can leave that root system intact, you've got a good shot to get Roundup on it and get on the plant and down through that whole root system. Uh, so if you spray when it's warm, use a really strong rate of Roundup and do it you either in the fall right after you harvest or in the spring as soon as you start seeing this stuff come up and hopefully before you've got crop ups you can do that super strong rate of Roundup. That actually works. Uh, the other thing, if you say, okay, we're going to be corn out in this field, what can we do in corn? You could use status. It does a pretty decent job burning it back. I would say it does a little better job, in my opinion, than the low rate of Roundup. Like if you said, hey, all I can spray is a quart of Roundup. That's all it's labeled post-emerge in one shot. But I could use status. 
go with the status uh, and hit those patches. It looked, and I, I could only see you know with the pictures that you sent, it looked like it was kind of patchy. So you could, in those patches, up your rate of status. So if you're using five ounces on the rest of the field, you could go up to the full seven and a half ounces in those patches and try and give it a little extra shot to, to hit that weed as hard as you can. Um, that would be the best. I don't know any pre's that do a great job on it other than just a burn down with Roundup. So it'd be two and a half quarts of Roundup when labeled or use status in crop. That'd be the best shot that we've got on controlling hemp dog mane. Uh, back to uh, the topic of higher yields in corn. We had uh, a lot of feedback today, and I, I just wanted to read back a few of the things that got suggested. Uh, one of them was the fungicide timing, and we kind of hit that just a little bit uh, when Blake Miller was talking that a lot of guys were still in the mode of, hey, I'm going to do a VT to R1 timing. Uh, but I had some guys talk to or send in a response, hey, we're going down early, like V12 or V14, when we can still get through with our sprayer. Then we're having the plane come back in uh, at R2 to R3 with another shot, and that has worked a little bit better. Um, yeah, on the fungicide side, we have done some of the same work. We've, we've done some applications. Once we get that ear leaf out uh, and then come back a little bit later, like three weeks later, these fungicides are going to last you two to three weeks. So three weeks after your first application, you probably need to be making that next application if you want them to continue to protect that plant with new leaves that are coming up. Uh, another, we had a lot of feedback on in-furrow or two-by-two two programs uh, regarding insecticide, fungicide, uh, fertilizer, even uh, biologicals. Uh, personally, I like the biologicals in the furrow if we can. I like to move some things over in that two-by-two two if you have access to that. Uh, if you can put fertilizer over in the two-by-two, two, you can put a lot more fertilizer on. If you've got two by two on each side of the row, I know not a lot of folks have that, but if you do, that works pretty nice. Uh, with fungicide, we've actually done a lot of work with Zyway over the last few years, putting it out with the Thrive 3D system that turns it into a foam. And when you do that, it's safe enough to put in furrow. So we've liked that. Otherwise, you could certainly put that in the two by two. Um, and then let's see, planting population had couple comments on row spacing that switching to 20s really didn't seem to improve anything over 30s. I would agree with that. We've done some narrower row spacings over the years too. Hasn't It seems like when you look at world record yields and see them done in 30 inch rows, we've got a lot more yield potential in 30s. Switching rows is really expensive and in most cases probably is not the answer. Hey, thanks for the feedback. Again, if you've got more, uh, you can send it in to us, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.